0: Tonight's scripture will be taken from Psalms 27, verses 1 through 3. Again, that's Psalms, chapter 27, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes? They stumbled and fell. Through, uh, through an army may encamp against me. My heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be com- confident. Thank you, Dusty, for reading our scripture tonight. We're glad that you're here. We're thankful for those who are visiting tonight. We're always grateful to have you with us. We pray that the time that you spend here will be profitable to you. We're thankful for a great day. It is Father's Day and we want to wish all of our fathers a very happy day. We appreciate you and very thankful for all that you are and all that you mean to us. We have a lot of folks that are out tonight, we're thin, but we're here, those of us that are here, we're glad to be here and we're grateful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. I was thinking a moment ago that tomorrow our young our young folks will begin a VBS at GetWell. And they just concluded a VBS in Tiger, Georgia, and I know that that was a great success. And I was thinking about about how our young people are learning and growing, and we're thankful for that. But not only are they learning in the classroom, but they're learning on the job. And I'm very thankful for that, and I appreciate Jared Brian and those that work with our young folks, we're very thankful for them. They are well, they're very special. And we appreciate each and every one of them. We are a part of a great church here, and we have a lot of talent, young and old alike. Or maybe instead of saying old, I ought to say more mature. But we do have a lot of talent. And it's good to know that there are folks that can step up and step in, and we as a congregation never miss a beat. And that is a great joy. I want us tonight to look at Psalm 27. We're going to be looking at the first six verses of Psalm 27. We're going to be talking about the theme, Living with a Heart for God. I want to begin tonight by saying that David, as you well know, is responsible for penning a number of the Psalms. There are some 150 Psalms in the Bible. David had the opportunity to write many of these Psalms. When I think about the Psalms, and particularly the Psalms of David, what comes to my mind is that of what we might call an inspired journal. Because David has the opportunity to give insight into his life and the things that were going on in his life all of us in life we have what might best be described as peaks and valleys we face good times and bad times David was a man after God's own heart and yet David lived with a heart for God and maybe that's why he is described as a man after God's own heart. When you, when you read the life of David and you read the Psalms, you come to understand the peaks and valleys in his own life. And even in times of despair, in times of difficulty, David looked at life from a positive vantage point. He always trusted in God. And he looked to God for guidance, strength, and protection. And I believe he praised God for those great blessings. What I want to do tonight is just talk for a minute or two about some of the things that David brings to light in this passage. First of all, he talks about his protection by God. And really, this whole point could be summed up in his words my heart shall not fear. I want to begin by looking at Psalm 27 1, where David talks about the guidance of Almighty God. He said, The Lord is my light. God dispels darkness, doesn't he? The darkness tends to ebb away with the light of God and his presence. In our lives. Now I understand that David had a lot to say about God's word, and he equated God's word to light. Because you see, God's word gives light and direction to our lives. That's why in Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist could say, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. David Look to Almighty God for guidance and direction in life. We live in a world today in which there are a lot of folks that have difficulty discerning what direction to take, what pathway to take in life. And yet if we'll look to God and we'll lean upon His Word and trust in Him, then He will lead us safely home. And then David also speaks of the graciousness of God. He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Only God has the ability, the power to save mankind. The Bible is a book that describes God and his graciousness towards those of us who belong to the human family. God created man in his own image. And when man fell, God put in place a plan that he had devised before he ever laid the foundation of the world. God had a plan to save the crown of his creation. When you go back and look at Genesis chapter 1, God talks about how man was made in his image and in his likeness. And God thought enough of us as members of the human family to reach out to redeem us through His Son, Jesus Christ. David, of course, wrote many of the Psalms, as I mentioned a moment ago, pinning some of the Messianic Psalms. And David understood that God was his shepherd, that God was not only his guide in life, but it would be through God that he would have the opportunity to dwell in the Lord's house forever. And then he talks about the guardianship of God. Listen with me, if you would, as I read verses 1 through 3. David said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. And now notice question, Whom shall I fear? He said, The Lord is the strength of my life. Again, a question, Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. It has been said that Martin Luther penned the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Based upon this text, on this passage And I really think when you read the words of David What David is saying is that we must anchor our lives in God Because you see, God is the guardian of those of us who belong to Him There are three things I think that emerge out of what David said First of all, David was a man of courage because of Almighty God Again, in verse 1, he said, Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me, teed up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Thank God for the courage of David and his example in the face of battle, in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulty. He speaks also of his confidence in God In verse 3 when he said "Though Though an army should encamp against me My heart shall not fear Though war should rise against me In this I will be confident When you face the valleys of life The difficulties of life How confident are you That God will see you to the other side That God will be with you And bear you In Romans chapter 8, Paul, I believe, amplifies upon what David said. When he remarked on one occasion, If God be for us, who can be against us? And then David speaks of his concealment in God in verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. The word pavilion here could be translated... A liar, a covert, maybe a den. And the idea, or I think what David is trying to say is, that God provided for him a place of safety, a place of refuge. You remember the psalmist said, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble in Psalm 46.1. So David could say, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. In other words, out of the range of my enemies or my foes or adversaries. And then there is a second thing that I want to call attention to in our study. And that is David's passion for God summed up in the words that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. First of all, David talks about his desire to linger near the Lord. Listen to him in verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was symbolic of the presence of Almighty God. You remember David wanted to build a temple for God, and God denied him that opportunity. Solomon built that temple. But David understood the importance of the tabernacle, signifying the very presence of Almighty God. And what David was saying is he wanted to be near God you wanted to be near the presence of God. I understand as Paul would say in Acts chapter 17. That God dwells not in temples made with hands. But we ought to have that same earnest desire. To be in the presence of God. We talk about walking in the presence of God. And living with the presence of God. Well David was a man. That had a heart for God. And he wanted to live in the presence of God. Now add to that his desire to learn more about God. So listen to what he says again in verse 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to to behold the beauty or the delightfulness of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I think about worship and the fact that Worship affords us the opportunity to learn more about God. Here's David. He has a heart for God. He wants to be in the presence of God. And so in communing with God, there's the opportunity or the privilege for us to step back and learn about God. And some things about God. Let me just cite for you some of the things that the Bible talks about as they relate to God. Number one. Worship ought to teach us about the greatness of God. You ever paused and just thought about a God that has no beginning and no ending? As the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has no beginning point and no ending point. Everything that we talk about in life has a beginning point and an ending point. We live in a world that is bound by time. And yet God is timeless. I can't begin to wrap my mind around that. And yet the Bible talks about the greatness of God. David affirmed that in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 25. When he said, the Lord is great. The universe in which we live. Our solar system. And you, you think about how God framed this universe and brought it together and how everything works with precision and symmetry. It's not by accident or chance. Wasn't it the psalmist, David, who said the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork? In Psalm 139, the psalmist talks about the fact that Almighty God is omniscient and omnipresent. He said, there's not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows our thoughts. He knows what we say, when we say it, and where we say it. There's no escaping His present because He is omnipresent. He's ever-present. But it's in that context. The psalmist talks about the human body and the complexity of the human body and how within the womb of a a mother that baby begins to grow and develop. And so the psalmist could say we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. When we come together to worship Almighty God one of the things that we're reminded of is the greatness of God. And then what about His goodness? The psalmist in Psalm 100 said For the Lord, He is good. We serve a gracious and good God, don't we? We talk about the benevolence of Almighty God. When the Apostle Paul stood before the Athenians on Mars Hill, amidst many people that were, as we would say, pagan idolaters, he spoke of the one true living God, And he said, it's in him that we live and move and have our very being. That God is the giver of all life and breath. And then listen to what he says, and all things. God is a benevolent God. And he sees to our needs. As a matter of fact, he has created a world that because of his blessings and goodness, we enjoy the fruits thereof. His goodness is reflected in many, many ways. I mentioned a moment ago His graciousness. The goodness of God and the graciousness of God makes it possible for us to enjoy a relationship with Him and Him alone. Listen again to the words of David in Psalm 27:1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You remember Jonah when he was instructed to go to Nineveh? Initially, he ran from God, didn't he? He didn't want to go. Because he knew that God was a gracious God, according to Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible talks about the grace of Almighty God. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, said, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, God is good. And because of His goodness... He has made it possible for us to enjoy the blessings of redemption. First and foremost, think about the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. When he said, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Through that system of faith, we have the ability or the opportunity to tap in to God's Marvelous, matchless grace, and enjoy the blessings of redemption. No wonder Paul would say in Titus chapter 2 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man. Worship also ought to teach us about the glory of God. There's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 8. I would encourage you to read and reread and read again that great psalm. The psalmist begins by saying, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He said, you have set your glory above the heavens. Step back and think about the glory and majesty of Almighty God. God is not on a plane equal to man. There are a lot of people in our world today, they have misconceptions of God. And they want to fashion a God after their own heart or fashion a God after man. Isaiah said many, many years ago, speaking on behalf of God, My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. The glory of God. Again, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. When we step outside this building and begin to take in the beauty of this world, we're reminded of the glory of Almighty God. I mentioned a moment ago that David wanted to be in the presence of God. In the Old Testament, we talk about the Shekinah, the glory of God, the presence of God. We ought to capture that in our worship today. There's a third thing I want to call attention to. It has to do with David's praise for God. Summed up in the words, I will sing praises to the Lord. Listen if you would to verse 6. David said, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. He said, I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. David praised God. I think one of the reasons David could praise God was for the protection, the care afforded him by Almighty God. There are two things that come to mind. First, the shelter of God. And secondly, the security of Almighty God. Listen again to Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, He that is God shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. You ever gone through the valleys and difficulties of life? And maybe you've been down in the valley for a period of time. Maybe you've been down in that proverbial black hole for a period of time. And then all of a sudden, it seems as if you begin to find your way out of that valley. You find your way out of that dark hole. The picture before you is clearer. The light has dawned. And you look back and you ask yourself, how did I ever make it? How did I get from point A to point B? And you recognize God. God in his providence had seen you through that difficulty. If we have a heart for God, like David, we can praise Him for all that He is and for all that He does and has done on our behalf. Let me just share with you Psalm 18. I want to just read for you a couple of verses from Psalm 18. Again, a Psalm of David. Listen, if you would, to what David says. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. You ever wonder how people make it in life without God? You ever wonder how people In the face of difficulty and trial and tribulation, make it without Almighty God. Not David. David was not going to go through this life without God at his side. And so we talk about his praise for Almighty God and the relationship that he forged with God. The relationship that we have with God, we have to work on. James said, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So David said, speaking of God, that He is His strength. He said, it's in Him that I will trust. He said, He's my shield and the horn of the strength of my salvation, my stronghold. I shall call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Think what David was saying is that God was the rock of his life. And there are times in life when we're down in that valley and we face difficult times like David did in Psalm 27. And David could say, as he did so eloquently in Psalm 18, God is my rock. No wonder he could say in chapter 27, He will set me up high upon a rock in a safe place. I want to encourage you tonight. Develop a heart for God. David had his faults, I will freely grant that. But David was a man that sought to do the will of God, and God had a lot of confidence in David, expressed by Paul in the book of Acts. If we like David, we'll develop a heart for Almighty God then we will be passionate as He was and we'll be people of praise striving to the best of our ability to draw closer to Him on a daily basis one day the life that we enjoy here on planet earth will end and when it ends what's going to be most important is the relationship that we forged with God. I don't want to leave this world without the Lord at my side. In Psalm 23, when David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why was that, David? Because David could say, For you're with me. One day we'll cross over the Jordan and when we do so we do so with faith faith that we'll go home to be with the Lord I want to encourage you tonight if you're not a Christian begin today serving God living for God here's how you do it you have to obey His will you've got to be willing to submit to His will and His ways If you'll do that, you'll become a part of His kingdom. Jesus said in John chapter 3, at verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5 He said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Through the teaching of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, we call it Revelation, the Bible, We learn how to become a part of the kingdom of God. We understand that prerequisites to entering the kingdom are belief in Jesus as the Son of God. Believing that everything said about Him in the New Testament is true. And then we believe and accept the words of Peter on Pentecost Day when he said, Repent, we're willing to give up sin. And then we confess with our mouth, what we believe in our heart, that Jesus is the Son of God, just like the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. The Bible then instructs us to be baptized into Christ, to be immersed, so that we might enjoy the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, the washing away of sins, Acts 22:16). It's at that point that God then puts us in His kingdom, Acts two forty seven. With the assurance that if we're faithful until death, we have the promise of life eternal according to Titus chapter 1, verse 2, Revelation 2.10. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not faithful. Your life's not what it ought to be. Could we encourage you to come home, to come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon? God wants you to be in heaven. He wants to be with you in heaven. Maybe you've left Maybe you've left the Lord, like the prodigal, gone back into the world. Why not come home? Why not do it tonight as we stand and sing.